This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. Amen. God bless everybody today. God bless everyone here. And that was where you could have said, uh, you could have said something back. Yeah, okay, okay. I heard somebody say, my, my, my. Yeah, yeah, I see you, I see you. Okay, okay. Well, God bless everyone here on today. I'm so grateful. I am so grateful to be back here in this place at this time. Um, you all are more than just uh, ministry partners. You all are friends. And uh, I get text messages of love, and I get messages of emails, and people give me calls and different things, just words of encouragement. And I just want to thank all of you all, uh, especially during this time over at Christ Tabernacle. Uh, as you all know, uh, many people know, we had a break-in at the church, um, and uh, it's been all over the news. It's just been all over the news where uh, the gifts that you all gave, and they were the ones that you all gave specifically with our baby bank, um, they were just stolen. They were wiped out, you know. They were absolutely wiped out. And, um, you know, someone uh, came, a pastor friend of mine came and told me, you know how the story changes from person to 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 person? One person, a pastor friend came and told me, one of his members came and told him that I was standing at gunpoint guarding the diapers. I'm like, they could have them diapers. I'm not going to stand at gunpoint guarding no pampers, okay? That ain't going to happen. So, I mean, but that, the story kind of morphed into that. And I'm like, nah, that wasn't what happened. But uh, what I, I can tell you guys the story of actually what happened, because many of you all were the ones that donated the, the, the items there. What happened was we have a gentleman at our church. He helps do a lot of cleaning around the church. And he's, you know, he, he deals, he's autistic. He, you know, he's slightly autistic. And, uh, but he, he cleans real well. He does everything real well. And a couple ladies, they came knocking on the door at the church asking, was the baby bank today? And he said, well, no, no baby bank, but it's some stuff down there if you want to get it, you know? And he opened the door, and uh, people took advantage of him. And uh, other people came, and other people came, and they just ransacked the whole place, and they kind of bum-rushed him. So that's kind of the story of what happened. And that's so wrong on so many different levels. It's just so sad on so many different levels. But I'm here to tell you what the Lord, what, what, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. Because things have really, really turned around. When that story aired on WGN, the very next day, we got a call from the COO from IBM. And they said, we're going to send you a thousand diapers. Just, we're going to send you a thousand diapers. They were there the next day. They were there the next day. Um, the company, you all know Berkshire and Hathaway, the, the real estate uh, uh, company, whatever. They said, hey, we were getting ready to send, uh, we, did a, we do a diaper drive every year, and we were getting ready to send uh, these diapers that we had, we were getting ready to send them to Willow Creek. And in back of my mind, I'm thinking, Willow Creek got 30,000 people they go to their church, they buy their own diapers. You know, but, uh, but uh, he said, he said that, uh, you know what, we're going to send them to you. So they dropped off a truckload of diapers there to uh, our church. And um, I'm telling you, God is just an awesome God. God is an awesome God. 
and he's doing some great things on the west side of Chicago. And the thing that's happening now, we have another gentleman, and this guy, he's like a multimillionaire 10, 20 times over. He saw what happened, and he owned a restaurant, and he says, you know what? Let's make it big, because he, he, dropped, he, he uh, donated 1,500 Easter baskets to families around the west side of Chicago, and he says, I got $3,000 left. You know what? We're going to take and go get go to Costco and Sam's Club or whatever, and we're going to get $3,000 worth of items and give them to you guys so that you can distribute it. And he did. He showed up with about six car, five or six carloads of stuff. So I'm telling you, it was awesome. And it didn't stop there. He also, with his restaurant, he said, we're going to bring out all of our grills on that day, on the day when we distribute them on the 24th. And he said, you know what? Uh, we're going to have barbecue. In fact, let's call it Babies and Barbecue. Yeah. And, uh, and that's awesome. That's awesome. But it didn't stop there. Because he, he said, you know what? I'm going to bring out my ice cream truck, too. So as Babies, Barbecue, and Ice Cream, you can't beat that. You can't beat that. So right now, um, yes, the need, is, the need is still there. The need is still great. But I need you guys to know that we have almost triple the amount we had before we started. Almost triple the amount. And the beautiful part about it is every person that comes that gets a pamper, every person that gets some baby wipes, any person that gets some ice cream or a rib tip or whatever they get, every person will be prayed for and every person will hear the gospel. And I'm every single one of them that come, it, or you ain't getting none, but, you go, but you go, you're going to hear the gospel on that day. We have a nice rotation where we're going to come. It's just going to be nice. So I'm just saying thank you. You know why? Because it all started here. Without you all, we would have never had what we're doing now. Pastor uh, uh, Matt uh, gave me a call for the baby bank that you all were doing here, and he said, hey, uh, Michael, do you think it would be helpful or something where we can kind of, some of the things that we have, we can send them over to Christ Tabernacle? I said, sure, it'd be helpful. You know, we have a lot of, lot of young mothers. We also have a lot of foster uh, parents also, foster grandmothers, who the child's parents are, they may be on drugs and the dad may be in prison, and the grandmother said, I just don't want these kids to be separated. So she'll take three, four, you know, she'll take kids. You know, I deal with that in my family. Uh, my sister has four uh, uh, foster children with her grandchildren because they just don't want the children separated. So we have those types of people that come and are, are blessed because initially of what you all have done. So I'm saying all that to say this, thank you, not for me, because my kids do not wear diapers. But thank you from the Austin community and the Humboldt Park community and just for the west side of Chicago. Thank you all so much for the efforts that you all have given, and God bless you. Amen. Now, we've read our text on today, and um, it's pretty clear dealing with Thomas admirably known as Doubting Thomas. But I want to ask you a question just in beginning this, this message on today is, 
How many people in this room, this rhetorical question, but I'm sure it applies, how many people in this room have ever experienced something so harsh that it shook your faith? Where I, I, I'm not saying that you dropped your faith or you left your faith or you, or you did something. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you just, your faith was shaken. Where you had to ask some questions. You know, that happens. That happens in life. Things happen so rough that, that every now and again we have to ask God, okay, is this, is this stuff even real? We've asked the question, I'm sure. You all come to church every Sunday, and I'm sure that when you were dealing with the pandemic and the church was closed down, I'm sure you missed it. I'm sure you yearned being here. But you, I'm sure you've asked the question when you've dealt with things in your life, is this stuff even real? Are these symbols real? This bread that we're eating, this wine, the, 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 the cross, the symbolism, the images, us coming to church and singing the songs, is it real? Is it substantial? Can I be doing something better with my time? Many of us have asked that question where our faith can be shaken. It may not even be just, uh, it may not even be just your, your religious duties that you do around the church, but many times people, maybe you run into an atheist or maybe an agnostic or someone who has legitimate logical questions that Maybe you just didn't think about Or maybe it hits you on a weekday, the question that they ask. Because, you know, people are always saying uh, that, you know, well, man wrote the Bible and man makes mistakes or maybe it's misinterpreted. And they always throw in all types of, uh, of, of little glitches to kind of catch you up. And, well, the Bible's been interpreted this many times and all this. And they give you all of this stuff. And it can shake you. It can. We're human. There are questions that you can't answer. There are things that maybe be a little bit above your head. I know I face them. I face them, and I, I love apologetics, but there are some questions that sometimes I have to step back and say, hmm, maybe it's not the apologetics, or maybe it's not the theology that messed you up. Maybe it's the situations that messed you up in life, where you say, God, you are a good God. You are the God of my salvation. You are a loving God. The Bible talks about your omnipotence, talks about your omniscience. It talks about how you're omnipresent, how, how you're, you're all of these good things, but then you even call me your son. You even call me not just son or daughter. You call me friend. But if you're all of those things, and if you are a good father, then why am I going through what I'm going through? Why do I have to deal with some of the things that I deal with? Some of us in this place, you've dealt with abuse. Oh, no one wants to talk about that, but, but, but you have been. We have been. We've dealt with stuff. Some people in this place, you've gone through bad relationships. While you're a Christian, I'm not talking about before. I'm talking about while you have given your life to God. You've been through sickness. I mean, real sickness, where, where maybe you went through COVID, maybe, maybe you went through where you were on a respirator, or maybe you were paralyzed, or something happened in your life. Maybe you dealt with cancer. 
Or maybe someone died in your family before their time and you looked up to this omniscient, omnipresent, um, uh, omnipotent God and the God that calls me friend, the God that calls me son, the God that calls me daughter, and you look at God and say, God, why? If, you, if I'm your daughter, if I'm your son, why aren't you helping me? Why did my daughter get pregnant? Why did my son get caught up on drugs? Why did my brother have to go to jail? Why did my father die when I was five years old? Why? We ask these questions. These are real questions. These are legit. It can shake you. It does. It can shake you. Shook me. Oh, I can tell you several testimonies of my personal life where I said, God, are you serious? I serve you. I do, God, I preach about you every single Sunday. Ah, there are situations where we can be shaken. We don't leave our faith, but sometimes it shakes us. Well, guess what? That's what Thomas was dealing with. When we look at the story of doubting Thomas, that's what he was dealing with. Remember who his mentor was. His mentor was Jesus. His mentor was the Messiah. The whole Bible is written, I don't care if it's Genesis all the way to Revelation, this book is about Jesus. The one that we worship, the one that we kneel down to, the one that we bow down to, the one that we get wisdom, the one who spoke the worlds into existence. The one who, who is the Word, and the Bible says in John, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. That's the Jesus, that's the God who was Thomas's mentor. And now, and now you're gone? Thomas, he, he gave his whole life to the Lord. He, he probably did more with Jesus than he did with his own family. He left all to serve this guy. He was specifically handpicked as one of the 12 disciples, a very prestigious position. And here now, he's dead. Jesus is dead. Wait a minute now. Thomas thought, like probably all of the other disciples, that they were going to crush the Roman government together. He brought probably like the other disciples that we're going to reign and we're going to have a throne and we're going to sit next to Jesus. He thought that, yeah, we're privy to some information that other people don't have. Yes, we're going to sit. We're going to have crowns. We're going to have good shoes. We're going to have a robe. Oh, yeah, we're going to be with Jesus. And if I get sick, he's going to heal me. If I run out of money, he'll just go down to the river, down to the fish and pull some gold out of the mouth. Oh, yeah, we're all good. It's all good. We're going to be with Jesus. And now that Jesus is dead. How would you feel if you poured your whole life into a man or poured your whole life into this mentor and you believed every word that came out of his mouth and now he's gone. And not only is he gone, did you see how he left? He was crucified. He was humiliated in front of his family, up there, naked on the cross, beaten in front of his mother, naked, hanging on a cross. 
nails in hand, nails in feet, thorns in scalp, beaten, face brutally beaten, beard poured out. It was a horrific, embarrassing, died the death of a thief and then hung between two thieves? Are you serious? That's who I put my trust in? I want you to take a moment and think about Thomas because many of us, we, we, we spew negative things about doubting Thomas. But I think we doubt too. Well, obviously, we weren't privy to what Thomas saw because, I mean, come on, Thomas saw Jesus walk on water. Thomas saw Jesus heal the sick. Thomas saw Jesus, not only did he see Jesus heal sick, walk on water, feed 5,000, feed 4,000. Thomas saw Jesus raise the dead. Can you picture being with someone who could raise the dead? This is why I love Paul when he said that, I believe in the second Corinthians, the first chapter, he said, we trust this not in our own self, but we trust it in the one who can raise the dead. In other words, I could go through the worst things in the world in life, but none of the worst things that I deal with in life are worse than death. But if death is the worst thing that possibly could happen, I trust in the one that can even change the worst thing that could possibly happen. I trust in the one that could raise the dead. Well, Paul talked about it, but Thomas saw it. Thomas saw it. Thomas was right there. He was there when the funeral procession was going by. And he touched the pallet where the boy was laid. When he touched the pallet, the boy got up. The funeral procession turned into a parade. Hooray! Jesus raised him from the dead. Jesus, hear me. Do you remember when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead? Do you remember these things? And of course, we remember Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. He came forth in grave clothes. He was in the ground stinking, rotting. Thomas saw all of that. And now, the one that I put my trust in, he's dead. Have you ever been hurt so badly? And, and have you ever been disappointed so, so harshly? Maybe from a loved one, maybe from a husband, maybe from a wife. But have you ever been disappointed so badly that you say, never again? Never again will I, never again will I let this person into my life like that. Never again. Mm -mm. I'm going to build these walls and nobody's going to get beyond these walls. Never again. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm never going to be hurt like that again. That is where Thomas was. You see, Jesus had appeared to the 12 disciples or to the, to the 10 that were left. He had already appeared to them already. He showed them the prints in his hand. He showed them the, the, the prints in his feet. They knew that the Messiah was there. And here, the disciples were all excited. Thomas wasn't there at the time when Jesus initially showed himself. But Thomas, he, when he walks in the door, the disciples are jumping. They're shouting. They're excited. Hey, Thomas, you missed it. You missed it. Jesus was here. He walked through the door, man. He, he, it's just amazing. He's alive. Thomas said, mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not going to get my hopes up. Mm-mm. I saw him on that cross. Mm-mm. No, I'm just not going to believe it because I'm not going to be let down again. Well, what did God do in his mercy? What did, what did Jesus do in his grace? 
He showed up. But he waited eight days before he did it. He waited, gave him some time. He said, okay, you said that, okay. I'm gonna let it marinate on you. I'm gonna let them give you the testimony and try to let you know that it's real. But you wouldn't believe, okay, okay, I'll show up. The Bible says that Jesus entered the room and he looked at Thomas and said, Thomas, come take a look. Come look at the nail prints in my hands. Thomas, come on, man, come on, it's real. Come on, put your hand in my side. Come on, put, your, put it there. You know what Thomas' reaction was? He said, he fell down on his face and he worshiped. And you know what he said? He said, my Lord and my God. Isn't that where God is trying to get us to? Isn't that the place where God is trying to get every single one of us to? A place where we will say, you are Lord, my master, my leader, my guide, my Lord, and you are my God. You are the central focus. I will worship none other but you. That's where God is trying to get all of us to, where we will bow down and say nothing else is more important than my Lord and my God. Where we will say, I love my children, I love my family, I love my husband, I love my wife, but I love you more because you are God. You're the God of creation. You made me and I worship you and nothing else will come between us. My Lord and my God. But when he says this, saints, you have to understand Jesus smiles. He doesn't put them down. I love Jesus for this. I really do. I love Jesus for this. He didn't put them down. He didn't call them hypocrite. You know what he said? He said, you believe because you see, but blessed or happy are those who have not seen but yet believe. I need you to understand this. This is what I need you to see. When Jesus looks at him 2,000 years ago and says, you believe because you see, but blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe. He was talking about you. He was talking about you. None of us in here have seen Jesus. I remember when I was at church one Sunday and uh, I had a lady who, she battled drug addiction and sometimes she talks kind of loud in church and not kind of loud, real loud in church. <laughs> she talks like she is on a microphone. Her voice is so loud. And I said, how many people in here have ever seen Jesus? She's the only one to raise her hand. And I had to get it, I, had to, I said, no, no, no. I mean, actually physically seeing Jesus. <laughs> I said, baby, you ain't seen Jesus. I, I, yes, I did, Pastor, I did. When I was high over there on the side, I said, yeah, baby, you were high, baby. That, you ain't seen Jesus. You ain't seen him, you know? But my whole point, what I'm saying is, and I'm not saying that people have not seen Jesus. I believe in the miraculous, trust me. But the point what I'm saying is this, none of us in here normally, uh, we haven't seen the Lord. We haven't physically seen him. But the beauty of this is Jesus says, happy are those or blessed are those who actually can put their trust in something they have not seen. Thomas 
As blessed as you are, and as many people who will be blessed by your testimony, do you realize the people who have not seen me, they're going to bless even more people. Do you understand that now we're on camera now, and maybe thousands of people will see this sermon. Now we have internet, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we got TikTok. We got everything possible now. Do you realize the messages that you all share and that we share now can reach millions of people now? My goodness, we, we have more ability than Thomas to get the gospel all throughout the world, to share the gospel everywhere. That's why I believe that he says, blessed are those that have not seen but yet believe. You are those believers. Well, saints, I'll tell you this. God gave Thomas what Thomas needed at the moment. God gave him time to mature his faith or to mature his doubt even. It gave him time. He could have showed up when Thomas was there and showed everybody all at once. No. But Thomas needed that extended period of time so that, his, so that he can go through the whole cycle of doubt and finally see Jesus. You remember, Thomas always had a problem with doubt. Thomas always was saying something negative or sarcastic. You remember when they were going to go to Bethany? He said, oh, God, we're going to go to Bethany so we could just die with the rest of them. You know, he always would say something, something negative or always something sarcastic. You remember when Jesus was saying, look, I'm going to a place and you're going to go with me and all this kind of stuff. And Thomas said, how are we going to go? We don't even know where you're going. Jesus, you're talking in circles, man. What are you talking about? Thomas always had this level of doubt. This is why I believe that this story was emphasized because Thomas had that, but let's not be so hard on him because all of the disciples doubted. None of the disciples initially believed the women when they had went to the tomb. None of them actually believed that Jesus was risen from the dead. Why? Because they didn't see it. They don't know. It was like, ah, it couldn't be. It can't be. And these are the people that saw resurrections. They saw miracles. They saw all of these things, but they couldn't believe. That's why it's so powerful that we have the Spirit of God that is alive on the inside of us. We have the Spirit of God that is vibrant, that even though we have not seen, we yet can experience the true power of God changing lives and changing hearts and bringing people to the knowledge and the realness of the glory of God. Saints of God, blessed are we. We're the ones who haven't seen, but yet we believe. Thanks be to God. So saints of God, as we close this, as we close this now, I just want to say, number one, not be so hard on Thomas because all of us have had doubts. But also realize that God gives us what we need when we need it. Right when you were getting ready to go over that cliff, he'll cut, mm -mm, let me give you just what you need so that your faith will not fall. So saints of God, my heart is this. Don't doubt, but give God the glory in everything that you do. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. 
As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.